Another Way to Play, Episode 64. Help from outside is everything because you can't be good at everything and you can't see your blind spots. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Minson, operating principal for Keller Williams San Francisco and founder of the Level Up Group. If you want to learn how to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with our good friend, Von Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Michael Minson. He's a good friend of mine. He's the operating principal at the Keller Williams of San Francisco and the founder of the Level Up Group. They're the number one real estate team in San Francisco for the most families helped in 2018 and 2019. In just seven years, he's grown his team to 10 producing agents covering San Francisco, Marin, and the East Bay, and the North Peninsula, San Mateo, and some of those areas, and has closed over $500 million worth of transactions. In this one, guys, we get into Michael's story and talk about some of the ups and the downs and the zigs and the zags that he took on his first career track, which was more of a corporate direction. He really was focused on sort of climbing the corporate ladder and talks about a moment when he realized that someone either had to retire or pass away for him to sort of move up to the next position. And that got him thinking about how he can really reach his full potential and how in control of his destiny he was. And he says that actually on a trip down to an Unleash the Power Within event with uh, hosted by Tony Robbins in San Jose, he had this moment of clarity in the car ride down to the first day that he had to make a decision as to how uh, his life was going to turn out, what direction he was going to really focus on. Was he going to go sort of an entrepreneurial route and go out on his own and do something? Or was he going to double down in the corporate realm? Ultimately, he decided to go the entrepreneurial way. And he talks about the reason he did that, how he did it, why he did it, and, and what he did to make himself successful into that real estate transition. Michael and I also get into a couple of really great segments of the show talking about his desire to always have a coach, how he has literally always had a coach since before he got his real estate license, and then what he does when he coaches brand new agents, people coming into his team specifically. So listen up for all of that. And before we get to the interview, I wanted to remind you that if you get value out of this, please head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. I read all of those. I implement the changes that you guys have suggested. And obviously, I'm uh, really grateful for uh, the positive ones that really help me both grow, uh, know what I'm doing well, and uh, keep the algorithm going so that the show gets in front of more people. So thank you in advance for that. And now, without any further ado, let's get into it with my buddy, Michael Minson. Michael, thank you so much for taking some time and coming on the show. Really excited to have you on today. Absolutely, Hans. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, it's a pleasure and honor on my side as well. So you've got a 
pretty cool story to tell. And you've got a lot of things going on right now with your team and all of that. But before we get into some of the stuff you're doing today, let's back up and let's build a little bit of context and and tell the audience where your journey really began. Sure. I'm in my uh, late 40s here and, and I've been in the business world for since I was about 16. And I was in retail right after college. Um, I worked for Barnes & Noble. I ran bookstores. And then uh, they moved me from North Carolina to Missouri and then finally out to Berkeley to run the Cal Berkeley store. And then they wanted me to move to Phoenix to run the Thunderbird store. And uh, I was in the middle of uh, the dot-com boom in San Francisco and all my friends are working in tech. And and it kind of occurred to me that, wow, this is this is, you know, an opportunity to get out of retail. I don't really want to go to Phoenix, no offense to Phoenix people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in, you know, the middle of the, of the dot-com boom in the heart of you know, Silicon Valley. And it seemed foolish to turn down that opportunity. And so uh, I went into tech. I started a video games, part of where my team name level up group comes from. There's a story mm-hmm. there. Um, I did video games for about five years and then I moved into productivity software and all along that way, I was really, you know, the company man doubling down on moving my way up the ladder and really focusing on, you know, my corporate skills of networking and politicking and all that stuff. Um, moved to a startup, did some supply chain and then manufacturing worldwide distribution for hardware and then moved over to back to software and um, at Adobe and Macromedia and um, finally Autodesk. So I've had a 20-year, 18-year track record in the, in the corporate world where I really learned, you know, the basics of working with people, you know, managing projects, influencing people you don't have any authority over, and really kind of working in that political world. And it kind of occurred to me that people were going to have to die for me to move up because this mm-hmm. is a very big company. It's an established company. People don't really leave that company. And... I felt very frustrated and, and, and pretty blocked for, for a couple of years there. I was doing well, making good money, good benefits. Everything was fine. And that was kind of the problem. Everything was just fine. And I wasn't really challenged. and I wasn't really pushed. And so I felt like I was somewhat stagnating. And um, I've always had an entrepreneurial um, pang, that hunger, and uh, never really knew what to do with it. And then my husband, Philip Cannon, he's a mortgage broker. He encouraged me to go to a Tony Robbins event with him, Unleash the Power in San Jose. He bought the ticket. He bought it for another realtor and uh, they couldn't go. And he's like, hey, I got this extra ticket. Do you want it? Do you want to go with me? And I'm like, oh my God, that sounds great. So it was really unplanned. And we're driving down to San Jose from San Francisco. And I remember thinking, all right, so I've heard about this Tony Robbins guy and uh, he's all about transformation and change your life. And I think my goal here is to, at this event, I want to decide do I want to stay in the corporate world and double down and really make that work and put the entrepreneurial pang and that hunger, park that someplace, just kind of cash in, that's never going to happen. Or am I going to decide fully and I'm going to follow my entrepreneurial spirit, I'm going to figure out what that means and I'm going to go for it. So I made that decision on the drive down there. Hans, have you ever been to a Tony Robbins thing? I have. Yeah, he's a pretty motivational guy. He gets you up and you're up and clapping and hollering and cheering and crying and screaming and really has you question what's important to you and your values and where do you want to be in, you know, in five, 10, 25 years, whatever. And, you know, I think within a couple hours of being at that event, I was ready to burn the boats. I was ready to take the island. 
had committed to following that entrepreneurial vision and, and really figuring out what that meant. And so that's kind of the, the origin story of how I left my corporate world into real estate. You know, within three months, I quit my job, got my license, started it at a new brokerage and was off to the races. Wow. So they say, they say change happens in an instant, right? It took 15, 18 years for that instant to occur. Um, but once it happened, it happened and it was, it was done. And, that's, and it, was, it was burn the boats, take the island. There's two things that you said there that were really fascinating to me. One was that you had this moment of realization that someone had to die or to retire to, <laughs> I'm assuming that's what you meant, but yeah. um, to move on in some way uh, for you to advance. And for those of us who have that sort of entrepreneurial twinge, you know, that's got to, it's just like mashing your head into a wall. It's so it's frustrating. And yeah, so you, ha- you had that feeling and clearly were, were engaged with this at some point. And then on this trip down to Tony Robbins, you had like, this is, this is my line in the sand and I'm either going to commit or I'm going to go the other way. And for those of you who haven't been to a Tony Robbins event, it's like a rock <laughs> concert for like 18 hours straight and where you're sort of engaging with the people on the stage and like doing exercises physically and, and, and writing it down and all that. Um, and it leads to some really interesting transformations or realizations or aha moments or whatever. Um, but for you, what do you think was it in those first couple of hours that made you realize like the path that I'm on is not the one and I need to transition and ultimately into real estate? Uh, I think there's a, um, are you living your best self question? Are you reaching your full potential? There's that question. There's the, are you in control of your destiny? There's that question. All of those, you know, that the feeling of, of being in control of your own destiny is incredibly powerful and it's incredibly debilitating if you don't feel you're in control. And you can, you, being an entrepreneur isn't the only way to get that, of course. But for me, that was my purpose. My intention was there, but for something was blocking me from acknowledging that and accepting that and being able to embrace that and, and move into it. And, and that environment that Tony Robbins creates gave me that permission, if you will, to be that person and not be hung up in my head about what if I fail and what, what will people think and you know, what, what all could go wrong and all those things that block us from our greatness, our problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they need to be uh, overcome. And sometimes it takes a third party to put that mirror in front of you to see, you know, Oh, okay. I can do that. I am perfectly wonderful in my own right. I don't need anything else to be, you know, the great person that I can be. That's really well said. For someone who, who went presumably off of a, a salary position or a string of salaried positions, as you outlined a few minutes ago, to a commission-based job, you know, a lot of people would call that a risky move and say that's not safe and that's, you know, not yeah. this or that or whatever, whatever word they're going to throw on there. How did you wrap your head around that? Because your husband was already in the mortgage space, which is also commission. Um, in the same industry. And- in the same industry and you both then put your eggs in that basket, so to say, how did you wrap your head around that? And how did you decide to make that your path? Yeah, it was definitely the scariest part, right? I interviewed a lot of agents. I talked to, you know, some of the best agents in the city, Philip introduced me to them. So I had a a blessing of being already able to be connected with these great people to understand, you know, what are the risks? How does it work? How do you make money? How do you lose money? And they all try to talk me out of it. They're like, what are you doing? You're leaving this amazing job. And you know, most people fail at this and everybody's out and you're, if you can make it past 
you know, five years, it's on the top 90% or 85% or whatever. And, you know, for me, I saw it as a challenge. And then I had to justify that risk to my partner. And Mm -hmm. so it was about really planning out where's the money going to come from and how are we going to, what's the business plan look like and and really being methodical about it. Not just, um, all right, great. This got this great idea. I'm going to ditch everything that I've worked 20 years for and and go chase the rabbit. It was about, you know, making sure I have a coach, making sure I've got the right training, making sure I've got the right business plan. So uh, I've had a coach since before I even got a license, that single decision to get a coach early on and have that guide and have that kind of someone shepherding me through this maze of zillions of priorities and conflicting priorities, competing priorities. Um, when you're starting a new business, having that coach was a huge game changer for me to be able to hit the ground running, focus on what's important and focus on building the business, a sustainable growth oriented business. And I think that groundwork really helped me build a business quicker than I could have done on my own. I love that you brought up the coaching component and the pre-planning component, because those are two things that I think are missing a lot. The pre-planning, obviously, you need to have some level of cushion if you're going to take a risk, whether it's becoming a real estate agent or starting a business or even just starting a side hustle, you have to have the resources to float it for a little bit of time. And then the second part of the coach, whether you're paying a coach or you're, you know, you find a mentor to join their team or, you know, get into the business with them or give them a piece of the action, whatever that means to compensate them and to get them on your team. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are really reluctant to do that, whether it's giving a commission split or to pay them or to give them a piece of the equity of the team or the, the project. But what you can gain by giving up half of a pie, that pie becomes so much bigger than you could have otherwise made right. it yourself, Right. And I love that you said that even before you got the license, you invested in the coach and you made that part of your plan and just committed to it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you just don't know. You don't know. And, and those are where you really get trapped. That's where you really get screwed. And, you know, real estate's not, it's not that complicated of a business. Um, once you've got it down, you can build it yourself. You don't have to have a coach. For me, it was about how long do I want that learning path to be? How fast do I want to get to as good as I can get, Right. Last year, I had three coaches for different businesses I'm running. Um, she had one of those. Now, I've just got two coaches. And so one is focused on my business. One is focused on my personal life. And, you know, I think help from outside is is everything because you can't be good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't see your blind spots. And so I'm a huge fan of coaching and, and uh, I coach my agents uh, as well. So it's a big part of, of how I run the business. From a mindset perspective, taking yourself back to that moment when you're just studying to take your exam, you haven't even passed yet, you're not technically licensed, putting yourself in that moment of transition for the sake of the audience, can you just walk us through a little bit deeper how you were thinking about how to actually make that transition successful? And you obviously had the benefit of your husband who was in the industry and probably knew what it took and saw agents succeed and saw many fail. So you had a little bit of a guide there. Yeah, sure. But what sticks out to you is stuff that worked really well when you were in that moment of transition. I think learning was a big one. So reading as many books as I possibly could about real estate, Gary Keller's millionaire real estate agent was one of the first probably five books I read about real estate. That was transformational in and of itself. I think doing a realistic business plan, financially based on what am I going to spend? How much is my burn rate? You know, where am I going to invest initially? How much do I need to sustain, you know, home life, right? 
I think the biggest driver for me, to be honest, Hans, was the fear of being a burden on my partner. And that fear, that was my daily thought is like, I got to get some business going because I'm not going to be a burden on my partner and I'm not going to drag the family down because I've got this crazy idea. So that was a real motivator for me. And I kept that front and center all the time. It might not be the most healthy, <laughs> but it certainly was effective. <laughs> well, the fear of loss is often greater than the desire for gain. And that is very true in this particular yeah. case. And, That's you know, we would like to think that our desires to achieve sometimes will drive us, but you know, that comfort moment comes into play and we get comfortable. Maybe we get a couple of closings. You sell three houses in a month, which, you know, in our markets can be 60 grand pretty quickly in a month. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. more than a lot of people make in a year. And so you can end up in that comfort moment. But if you take that over here and, and sort of use that fuel of the fear of loss side of it, that can sometimes drive you a lot farther. So there has to be a healthy balance for sure, but you know, I don't want to discredit that side of the equation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Fear is a real thing. You can use it for your good and you can, you can really drive you into some really, really dark, bad places as well. So yeah, it's definitely a, a two, two-sided uh, double-edged sword. So now that you're sort of on the other side of this experience and you said that you know, coaching has been a huge part of your experience and you now coach your agents, um, presumably a lot of whom are starting in the business brand new like you were. What are some of the big success myths that you see when someone is starting out on a new venture like this, whether, whether they've been in the corporate world for 20 years or this is their very first job out of school? Uh, I think, you know, the, some of the principles that we really focus on are do the basics and keep doing the basics. And in real estate, of course, it's prospecting and lead generating, right? It's about reaching mm -hmm. out to your database talking to people about what you do, um, finding out where they're at, uh, seeing if you can help them and just creating connections in a sales business. I'm, that's all I can really speak to is, is how to build a sales business, but uh, sales comes from relationships and the more relationships you can create, the more people know what you're doing. And if you're doing real estate, then everybody that you know has to know that you're in real estate. And I tell folks that even before you're licensed, if you're not even licensed, the first thing you need to do is build your database. And that database doesn't have to be a complicated CRM with Salesforce and all these bells and whistles. It can be just an Excel list, right? And it's got a name and hopefully you've got emails and phone numbers, but it starts out with those three things. And if you've got two, that's a good start because that's where your business is going to come from. Your first three, six, nine, 12 months. And then for the whole rest of your career, your business is going to come from your database. So treat that like gold and for me, I was blessed. For some reason, I had the idea to, to keep the contact records for all the companies I'd been at. So I had all the contacts from people at IDOS. I had all the contacts from people at Adobe. Everybody from my start, the startup, Pay by Touch, and then Autodesk. Um, I don't know why I had that idea, but I did. Every time I left a company, I downloaded the database. I thought it might be helpful for some reason. And uh, sure enough, that became my newsletter. And in there, I went and I prioritized the top 200 people that I'm closest to in that are local in my market. And then those are the people I just started calling. Say, hey, just wanna let you know I'm working on getting my real estate license and brought them into the journey so that when I got licensed, I had already had you know two or three months of contact with them, getting them comfortable with me in this new model, right? This new paradigm of who Michael Minson is. He's not the operations person that helped me ship CDs all around the country, around the world. He's now this real estate guy. 
And no matter what you're moving from or moving to, people who knew you in one life are going to take some time to know you in the next life. And the sooner you start that conversation, the sooner you let them know that you're this new person or you're on this journey, bring them into that journey with you, the faster they're going to be comfortable once you are licensed and you are in business, the faster they're going to be likely to refer you business and, and help you get your first sale. Because everybody's got a certain amount of window that it just takes them to process that you're this new person, right? Um, they're not just going to flip the switch and send you their best friend because you now told them you're in this new business. It takes a while to build up that trust and that confidence because when you're referring somebody, you refer them because you want to help the person that you're referring more than the person you're referring to. So you don't want to refer your best friend to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, right? Because <laughs> then it'll make you look bad. You want to refer your friends to somebody who knows what they're doing. And if you feel confident that you're going to refer to, to somebody who knows what they're doing and you're going to help that person, that's even better. And that's a journey and that takes a process. So I think for anybody who's thinking about real estate and you're serious about it and you're working on getting a license, build your database and connect to that database and let them know you're on that journey because it's going to take them six months to be comfortable referring to you anyway, right? You may as well start sooner than later. And don't worry if you're afraid they're going to refer you a deal before you're licensed, your broker can help you figure that out. That's a really good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. That advice, obviously super applicable to the real estate world, but it's also very applicable to any other business because yeah. we're so focused on oftentimes as new entrepreneurs and, and people starting a business in general, so focused on trying to find the cold leads and, and get the cold sources of, of business, which would be, you know, cold calling or door knocking or, you know, buying some lead sources off the internet or social media. But when you really double down on the people you know, who know you and like and trust you um, and expect that there's a process behind it, that's how you start regardless of who you are. Yeah. I mean, sales is a relationship business, right? It's a, it's a contact sport. And, um, I've never had good financial success with the, the, the purchase lists and the cold intros. It's always the relationship base. It's more profitable and it's more um, just better leads. Yeah, absolutely. So the next transition here, you started in the business, you made that list, you treated it like gold. You had your top 200 people you got them comfortable referring to you and you moved through a couple of years in the business. At what point did you decide that it was time to go from being on a team, which I believe you were on a team of someone else's yep. team and then started your own, correct? Like how did that part come into your world? Well, I started as a solo agent for nine months. I was solo and it was okay. I think I did nine deals or so my first year, which was pretty good. And, uh, by objective measures, it was lonely and it was hard. Um, I didn't have a lot of support, you know, I would partner with agents so that I would at least not screw the deal up, but, um, they weren't particularly invested in my long-term success. They were just interested in getting paid just like everybody else. And so I would ask questions and I would feel like I was a hindrance or I would feel like I'd get short, you know, one, two word answers for things and no real explanation as to why and how and, and, you know, all the intricacies of what we're doing and why it's important. And so that was pretty frustrating. And, and um, I got an opportunity to join um, Danielle Lazier's team. She runs, uh, she ran one of the biggest teams in the city and move over to a new brokerage. And the calculation was, well, am I going to give up half of my commission to join this team 
And why would I do that? And, and am I going to, there's an ego component too. You know, why would Michael Minson want to be on Daniel Legere's team, right? And, and, and there was a real conflict for me. There's an ego-based conflict on, you know, how can I be an entrepreneur and be on someone else's team? And that took me really understanding what the goal here is. And when I look at it, the goal is really to build a big business as fast as I can and help as many people as I can. And so as a solo agent, all by yourself, you can only do so much and you're going to learn things the hard way. And it's going to take, again, you're going to, it's going to be the slow ramp. But if you partner with somebody and you you're, they're invested in your success as much as you are in theirs, you're on a rocket ship. And so my second year we did 30 deals. My third year we did 43 or 45 deals. And so I made way more than I would have made as a solo agent and I wouldn't have gotten there nearly as fast. And so to be three years in the business and have, you know, 40 some deals under my belt in one year, that put me at a different level. And so once I was there, then I was comfortable enough to go out and, and I had an opportunity to become an owner in the Keller Williams franchise in San Francisco. And from there, I was able to create my own team, uh, which the Michael Minson real estate group later became level up group. And then that's a whole nother story. But for me, that transition moment was really about being clear on what my vision was for my business and figuring out the fastest path there. I love that you talked at the very beginning of that as uh, the ego component, because you're right, the ego often gets in the way and you start to see things like, I have to give up half my commission to the team, or um, I've got to pay somebody to teach me blah. You know, like that is, that is all ego driven. And when you really go and step back and look at it, like I did the same thing, I'm on the Gunderman group, you know, and when I look at the metrics of it and look back at just the last year, it's like I did way more business with that group than I could have done by myself in my third year. And, you know, it sounds like you had the exact same experience. Um, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> it's, it's a lot more fun and it's way less lonely. And <laughs> you also sort of borrow the cachet of that team and, you know, it just instantly yeah. bumps you. And so to bring in, you know, whether you're starting a business and you bring in a coach or a co-investor or a co-owner or something who has that cashier in the case of real estate, obviously I'm a huge fan. You're a huge fan of joining teams and, and bringing partnerships yeah. into this equation. But honoring that ego component, I think is so critical because so much of business, I think gets driven by an ego and people want to go on their own and they can do it better, right? I'm going to leave this big company that's too corporate. <laughs> I'm going to do it better myself. And, you know, taking part of it out as much as you can and saying, what is really the fastest and best way to do this if I'm in this for the long run? I love that you brought that up. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. So you started the team. It's had a couple of iterations. Where are you now and where do you hope to go in the next couple of years? Well, we are, uh, so we're up to 12, 12 people on our team, um, three assistants, three operations folks, and nine agents, including myself. We did about uh, 99 uh, sales last year, about $130 million. We were number one in sales last year in San Francisco, number number one in sales two years ago in San Francisco, and missed number one by one unit last year. So that's pretty irritating. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing really well. And um, by any measure, I think we're doing really well. And I've got agents at all level on my team. I've got variant senior luxury agents commercial investor agents and, uh, you know, uh, middle and, and newbies. So we're really building a organization that helps people level up and reach their goals. That's kind of why I came up with the name. 
we are the level up group. We help you reach your goals and level up your life. And I really take that into to heart that when people join my team as the business owner, I have an obligation to help them grow. That's my value proposition to them. I'm not a lead farm. You don't join my team just to get a zillion leads. You'll get leads for sure. But everybody is in the business of lead generation. If you're in sales, you're in lead gen. So my role is to really facilitate their growth, be their coach, provide them the operational support and provide them marketing support and the tools and systems, you know, the business for them to be successful with them. And a huge part of that is being the leader and being able to help them through wherever they're stuck. You know, most of the time it's business issues, but there's plenty of personal conversations we have to help people get through and make it to the next level. Because if you're not clear on where you're at as a person and, and how you're adding value to your community and to your family and to yourself, then you're not going to be able to be the best business person. you can. I love that distinction that you just made as the leader. Cause so many times I think you, especially in real estate, it's sort of unique in the way of, you know, it's the Michael Minson team. It's the Hans Strazina team, right? Like there's sort of an ego component there, but everything you just outlined as the leader is really more to elevate and to help other people in their own personal journeys. I mean, this is one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on because that mindset that you have and, and clearly the business ethic that you hold really rings true. And as you said, in the results, you know, you're number one two years ago and, and just one unit shy of it last year. <laughs> Congratulations on both of those. Those are big accomplishments in San Francisco. And, you know, I don't know what people's preconceived notions are, but like most would think that real estate agents, especially who are top end, are very me focused and, and focused on their numbers and top producing and blah, blah, blah. But you just talked about how your whole focus as a business leader is to help others and to make it about the other person and to support them. And I, I think that that is a, an ethos that is worth considering as someone goes into their own venture, regardless of where they are along their journey. Yes. And it's not just purely altruistic either. Right. I think, you know, I'm, I'm still very competitive. I'm, I'm very much a business person and I have an awareness and I've seen that it, they work together really well, that you can be a good person and you can be a good leader and you can pour into your people and it's not taking anything away from you. But the more you put out and you contribute and pay it forward for your clients or your partners or your employees, your agents, it just comes back like a hundredfold and it doesn't always come back from where you expect it to. You plant a seed here and something pops up over there. But I have a strong belief that the universe will respond if you put it out there. And so far it's worked. <laughs> That's very well said. And, and I appreciate you bringing that up because you're right. Like in the end of the day, you do have to run a business, the numbers, the, the dollars matter, all of that matters. Um, but you're right. You can absolutely have both. And, and probably focusing on one exclusively to the detriment of the other will put you in, from a long-term perspective at least, in a, in a negative place. Yeah, we're not running a charity by any stretch. Um, and we do have difficult conversations and not everybody makes it. And, you know, that's okay. That's the hard part of business. But for people that we, where you have an aligned set of values, where, where you, you have people around you that, that, that believe similarly, that, that have that common set of goals and a common set of values. Once you find those people, you don't want to let them go. And you want to do everything you can to keep them tight and make sure they're nurtured and supported and are growing as big as they want to get. Because those people that are perfectly aligned with you, 
don't come around all that often. Mm -hmm. And so my way isn't the only way. I just recommend finding, being true to who you are and then find other people that compliment you and hold on to them. That's fantastic advice, Michael. I really, really appreciate all your time. And I want to respect the rest of your day here. So I'm uh, with that going to transition us to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Uh, yes. I'm ready first, for four of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how this goes. So first question is, what book have you gifted most often? Um, the um, Miracle Morning how Fantastic book. Yeah. yeah. Love that one. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present live or dead and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Uh, Tony Robbins. He's changed my life uh, in multiple, multiple ways. I've been to many, many of his events, business mastery and, and life mastery and um, UPW a couple times. And I just want to know as much about how he sustains his energy and his mission and his focus as much as he does. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? Uh, that was the hard one. Um, I, di I didn't know that answer to that one. <laughs> no, you, you've got no con not a controversial bone in your body. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I really couldn't think about it. I, I couldn't think of one. Fair I know they're enough. there. I'll, I'll, I'll email you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw them in the show notes. If you do email me, you can go down in the show notes and check it out. <laughs> Miracle morning was your book. So what does your morning routine look like? How do you start your day? Well, with this COVID business going on, it's been kind of wackadoodle. Um, but more often than not, I'll go, how about that? Yep. Uh, more often than not, I, I did a miracle morning, um, uh, at least, uh, three of the six things, um, uh, journal, goals, review goals, affirmations, um, exercise, uh, meditation, uh, and, uh, try to mix up those things and, and knock them all out and journaling. I don't always get all of them done, but if I can get as many of them done as possible, it just starts me off on a way better foot. I used to wake up at five o'clock and do that. And now that things are pretty slow, I get up at six o'clock <laughs> and do that. And then it's about, um, getting into, um, reviewing, uh, what I got for the day. Um, and then I prospect from 10 to noon. So that's still a pretty structured part of my day. And then afternoon to four is appointments. Um, whatever that looks like. If I don't have appointments, then it's, it's more prospecting. And then usually I'm, I'm, um, doing follow-up email work and stuff from four to five and beyond. Beautiful. Love that schedule. Well, Michael, you've been awesome today. Uh, thank you so much for bringing all this fantastic value to the audience. Uh, what is the best place that we can connect with you online? Uh, thanks, Hans. Uh, my website is levelupgroupsf.com. So levelupgroupsf is in San Francisco.com. And you can find about my team and, and, my, uh, and me and all about how we serve clients in the Bay Area. Awesome. Well, levelupgroupsf.com. That'll be down in the show notes uh, and you can go check him out there. Michael, this has been really just a true honor and pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show and taking some time with us. Really appreciate uh, you sharing your story and, and some of the insights of your journey. Thanks, Hans. Great to be here. I appreciate it. 
And that does it for today. If you want to connect with Michael, uh, I've got the levelupgroupsf.com down in the show notes. That's his website. You can check out him and all of his team members to see what it is they're doing uh, in their business that's making them so successful. I've also got some of his social profiles, so you can check him out on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram in the show notes. And as always, in the show notes is my Calendly link way at the bottom. So you can hop on a one-on-one call with me and we can connect, get to know each other a little better, hopefully uh, learn how to just keep making this podcast better and better for you as the listener. Thanks in advance for taking the time on that. Thank you for listening. And this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play, signing off and remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.